0: Seven I'm just pulling out of my sister's parking lot, headed to Wegmans and then headed to school. Wegmans is a grocery store up here in the Northeast. And I'm going to pick up some flowers for my mentor teacher today. She's just such a nice lady. I mean, she is an amazing, amazing woman. And definitely one of her love languages, like it almost backed right into me, um, one of her love languages is gifts. If you haven't looked up love languages before, I would definitely, definitely encourage you to check those out. You got things like, there's, allegedly there's five of them, right? Like acts of service, gifts, words of affirmation, uh, I don't know, those are some of the big ones. There's two others. I can't remember them right now. I actually had some coffee this morning, caffeine, for the first time in a long time. And... It feels pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, I, I split up half decaf, half caffeinated in the Mr. Coffee. And so one tablespoon of caffeinated, one tablespoon of uncaffeinated. I woke up at four o'clock this morning. Like it's time to it's time to go. It's time to make things happen. I'm sicker than a dog still. Uh, just the smoking, right? Like, you know, when you're sick with a respiratory illness, like pouring heaps of ash into your bronchi is not a good idea. Um, I actually took a couple days off over the weekend, and it was great. You know, I got I got better, I got healthier. Uh, I did have kind of the eye of the tiger on the second day. I was a wild man. But I ended up going deer hunting with a buddy of mine. And when I got there, you could see him kind of inspecting me. I didn't know what was going on. He's like staring in my eyes, you know. like, man, I don't really get what's happening here. And then a little later on in the afternoon, he asks oh, hey, would you like to smoke? And I said, yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, it's like I was not that strong. Um, Had an opportunity to be a testimony there for that guy to to witness. And I dropped the ball. But he had just come off of five weeks of being clean and had smoked that day. Had a terrible headache, apparently. And then with me coming and and we used to smoke all the time, maybe that's why he wanted to smoke some more. I don't know. I took one hit. He took like, five or six he he was a wild man about it but I took the one Um, I didn't confront him or anything and I hope that you know he figures himself out I mean if you can go five weeks clean and sober like he quit the nicotine he quit everything you know this this guy's doing way way better than I am so who am I to to say anything to him by the way speaking of, of buddies my teacher buddy who lost his job last year and then landed one right up the road he is really struggling right now his dad died over the summer his stepdad saving his daughter's life at the beach he drowned um, pretty intense and he's a fucking mess my buddy he's a he's an absolute mess you know, he always... Feels like he's feels like he's buried by his failures. Um, you know, everywhere he looks, he sees his inaction, and then the consequences of that inaction. Don't know how to help him. You know, I, I wrote him a letter, had some scripture in there, talked about the idea of testimony, talked about the idea of perspective. Um, you know, when I had been kicked out of school, suspended, I had been arrested and I went to these chemical dependency meetings to make a better case for the courts, right? To say, like, oh, I'm really a good dude. Well, I was sober, right, at the time when I had been suspended. Like, I wasn't consuming any substances at all. Um, I basically just, I had turned 21, and all my friends, and I were already 21, and instead of wanting to go out to the bar, like, they wanted to use drugs. And so that night of my twenty first birthday, I did my first line of ketamine. <laughs> and so I gotta tell you, the counselor at this facility, this uh, dependency facility, she's screaming at me. She's like, "You're full of shit." When I told her, like, "Yeah, you know, my first hard drug was ketamine, and I don't really use I don't use drugs at all. I just did it for like two weeks." She's yelling at me, calling me a liar, this, that, and the other thing. Um, you know probably because that's what she has to do to get answers out of people but it didn't work for me and i think what she was most upset about was the fact that i would not tell her the details of that night the night the police raided my house i was at work thankfully praise the lord i was at work and i wasn't home to get arrested right then but the police busted into my house uh, arrested my friend who was dealing drugs um citation to the other friend just wrecked the place. Like, I get home and everything is torn apart. Like, it was a full-on raid. And very scary. Very scary. Police, I, I, when I get to the house, you guys, the news crew, the news crew is at my house. The light is shining on the reporter because it's nighttime. She's doing her bit. I show up. I'm like, hey, what happened? And she's like, oh, yeah, there, there was some drugs, drug dealing here. And the police arrested me. I said, what would you do if you lived here? She's like, she looks at me and she says really kindly, like I could tell that she was a mom. You know, you just you just knew. She looks at me and she says, "I would get a lawyer, quick." <laughs> so, you know, props to her and props to her for not including me in the story, right? Like not adding that little detail about the the kid who came back to find his house in shambles. And so, anyway, the point is, I write this letter to my friend about perspective. And I gained perspective through those meetings because I was the youngest person there. Everybody else was older, you know, kind of a smattering of ages, 30s, 40s, 50s, both for alcohol, but some for one for cocaine, one for stealing drugs as a nurse. And so what I learned, I guess, or my, my biggest takeaway there, it was twofold. Number one people were very impressed with how articulate and learned I was. You know, these are just average average folks, blue-collar folks, and so I realized how blessed I was to have the parents I had to make me so literate. And at the time, you know, again, I wasn't I wasn't really abusing drugs, so my brain was working great. Like I I smoked pot maybe like 10 times before that event. The other thing I learned was perspective, and that's because these people, you know, here I am at my rock bottom, right, like really unhappy, you know, my my world came crashing down, I totaled my parents' car, they had just paid it off, Uh, this is after I got suspended, right, so they gave me this vehicle to use to get around, and I blew it to smithereens, just smashed it all to pieces, Uh, suspended from school, you know, hero to zero, and the thing is, these people were saying, man, I would kill to be in your shoes you know, like, you have your whole life ahead of you. I'm 54. I'm 55. Like, what do I have to look forward to? Like, what what opportunities do I have that you, at 21 or 22, uh, that are presented to you? I guess I was 21. That you, at 21, have. And so, it, I don't know why that has always stuck with me. In the moment, it didn't really stick with me, but ever since then, it has. This idea that Life's not over. Like, you, like, there is so much more to go. And also, your life might not be as bad as you think it is. You know, there are people who have way, way worse situations. Reminds me of going to the Philippines. Going to the Philippines for three weeks. Dirt floor huts. I was the only white man some of these kids had ever seen. I mean, I'm talking the boondocks. I was up in the mountains where the communists were, like, out in the bush. And the chieftain of our barangay would walk around with a Smith and Weston. So that none of the communists would come and either steal stuff from the village or kidnap somebody and demand ransom from them, like this is fucking crazy, this is crazy shit. Anyway, the point is being over there like showed me about poverty, right, like it showed me how much I was blessed with, and it changed my perspective dramatically on my standard of living, it made me so much more thankful, so much more grateful. And I just pulled into Wegmans, so let me go in, get these flowers, and then I will be Right back, okay. We are back. Put this baby in gear. It's so funny how people respond to the bow tie, right? Like, <laughs> usually dudes just look at me and keep walking, but inevitably, like the ladies, and in particular, the old ladies, like they're either smiling, you know, or they're like, Oh, hey, nice bow tie. Um, cracks me up, cracks me up. Had a double whammy, that was nice. Little, little pick me up today, uh, but. I don't know where, oh perspective, I was talking about perspective, and how it could always be worse, and some people's lives are terrible, and it just goes to show you that the devil attacks you, okay, it clouds your judgment, and you got to get into the good, you got to get into God, I've been having this theory that God is the name that we have given to the essence of good, like what is good? That is God. You know, In church, people always say, God is good. Okay, well, God equals good, right? Because two plus two is four. Two plus two equals four. That's a math thing for you. The word and is the plus, right? The difference means subtraction. Of means multiply. And so, I just thought that was very interesting. And I thought that the idea that the devil is evil, devil equals evil, the reason why the devil is so evil, uh, or the reason like one kind of way to examine that is the word devil and the word evil the word devil has a d in front of it it's that extra bit right and the devil thought that he was better than god or could be more than god wanting to be worshiped like god so he put himself into it that's where the ego comes from right so anyway these are things i've been kicking around so i wrote my buddy a letter he sent me a text back. Apparently, everything I said is exactly what his mom's been saying to him. She's been a believer for many years. And he's just paralyzed. He can't get out of it. Boo! So, I sent him a text back, and I'm like, you too proud to get on your knees? Right? Because he talked about how he's, you know, kind of half-heartedly been exploring the God thing. And it's like, well, you know, your life must not be that bad. Like, if you have such control over your life, if you're so fucking great... uh then why is it, I don't know, why is it so bad? Why is it so bad? If, if your life is so challenging that you can't get stuff done, but yet on the same token, you have such control over your life that you can't get on your knees and pray to something that's more important or bigger than you. Like we, we got a contradiction here. You know what I'm saying? Like there's something's not right. It's not lining up. And so everyone's got to hit their rock bottom, to truly get to know uh, spirituality. I just, I feel that way. I think time and time again it's been proven. And, you know, he, he logics through this, right? Like, when you have a pastor for a stepdad and you're not into the church, like, it can, <laughs> you got to come up with some pretty good arguments, right? you got to be able to go back against this guy. So probably nobody's more suited to logic their way out of religion than my buddy. But the thing is, here, here's what's always gotten me about it. People smarter than me believe in God, and people smarter than me don't believe in God. People dumber than me believe, people dumber than me don't believe. And so, who am I to say I have it all figured out? And one of the things that's helped me get my feet wet in this, kind of my journey back into into Christ, is the idea that Christians can't define God. Like, God is beyond human comprehension, it says it in the Bible all the time. So don't have a narrow focus. Right? Like we think we know what God is. We think we know what heaven and hell are. Like we have some concept of it. But it's just this tiny itty bitty fraction of of what it really is. And there's no question there are mysterious forces that work in the world, right? Like there are things that happen that can't be explained. Miracles. So sorry, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but he's struggling and I pulled over at his house after I got that text and I was ready to kick his ass. Literally I was going to beat him up. Because there's a Bible verse uh, Psalms like 2330 or something, 2630, where it's like bru- wounds that bruise cleanse the body from evil. And he's talking about how he's possessed by evil. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go over there and just fucking beat on you. You know, a little physical pain will shake you out of it. But I was, <laughs> as I'm driving there, I'm texting my friend who's an elder in his church. And he's like, oh, your buddy needs love. And then I call him, and he doesn't pick up. I'm like, you asshole. And so I pull in the dude's driveway, and I call him. He doesn't pick up. I text him. He doesn't answer. So I just leave, right? Like, I'm not going to knock on his door and drag him out. And then I do end up connecting with this other friend on the phone. I I describe what's going on. And he's like, it's got to come from a place of love. He he said, if you're doing stuff and it's not from a place of love, it's not going to be effective. And he also reminded me of that proverb where, like, it's better... Or no, no, no. It's um, sh- 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 getting between a man and his folly is like standing between a uh, sow and her cubs. You know, a mother bear and her cubs. Like, it's not a good idea. you're gonna get steamrolled. So now he's not gonna physically steamroll me, right? Like I'm, I'm definitely gonna clean house on him. But it's it could have ruined our relationship forever. I don't know. I still think it was the right thing to do. I love this guy like a brother. I bet you little bruises, little aches and pains, that's going to wake you up. But whatever, it didn't happen. I'm feeling pretty good today. Physically, am I sick? Yes. Am I drinking caffeine to to stay awake? Yes. But I made the decision, you guys, to pursue the speaking. I had emailed the superintendent, and then probably last time I talked to you, and then it was going to be like, ooh, next week I'm going to start... Well, here we are. It's next week. And I listened to a great podcast. It was the Bigger Pockets podcast. They're the number one real estate podcast in the world. And they had a guest on who has crushed it, right? He's worth millions of dollars. He's only 32, 35. And like, here I am, right? And I'm not worth anything. I'm worth less than I am. I don't have more debt than I have wealth. So what the guy said, he said this one bit, and I love it. I love it he said people are so worried with the kumbaya stuff oh I gotta wear my yellow glasses I gotta do my breathing exercises I gotta blah 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 that they aren't actually doing the work like they get caught up in all that other bullshit but then this thing that would actually give them what they want they don't do and so here I've been talking shop about speaking testimony and all this kind of thing inspiring folks teaching really, but like teaching from the stage, teaching a larger audience, and I haven't done diddly shit, so he said he just wakes up early and he starts working, and he just outworks people, and so that's what I did, I woke up early, now I I wanted to make sure I put God first, and so I had been reading the Bible, but I realized I don't have to read the Bible to put God first, right, the first thing I can do is pray, so I woke up, took the dog out, got my cup of joe, and I prayed, prayed a little bit, uh, started with you know talking about how great God was and uh, how wonderful He's been to me, and then you know went into what I hope for the day and for my family, and then closed it down. Right, like here we go, it's time to get it on. Petted the dog because she, <laughs> my dog, gets like I try to give her like between four and seven minutes of pets every morning. Pretty ridiculous, but she doesn't get a lot of attention so. And then after I petted the dog, pulled out the laptop, pulled up Les Brown, one of my favorite motivational speakers of all time, probably my favorite, and found a speech that was the same length as what I wanted to deliver, just under an hour, and started analyzing it. Hit play on YouTube, had that open on one window, and then had a document open on the other window where I would record what he did. And I'm not specifically saying like what the words were, but like opened up with audience engagement, followed with a joke transition into asking permission to share ideas with them and then another joke and then first idea and so it continued right um, quotes like when he like insert quote here like insert Bible verse here insert joke here uh, expound here right like personal reference here and so my goal or my I shouldn't say my goal my action my action steps, my action plan is to do one for Les, one for Eric Thomas, one for, you know, all, you know I, I have a list. I have a list of motivational speakers that I, I also put together this morning. A couple of women, mostly men, strangely, but um, a couple of women are in there, thankfully. And I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to find the speech that's about the length that I want to deliver. I'm going to analyze all their speeches, and then I'm going to take the parts that make sense to me. I'm going to, by looking at them and that flow, I can understand what I need for my own presentation when. And it's going to be weird because I've decided my first talk is going to be on pollution. And it's not so much that I'm hard up on pollution, which I am, don't get me wrong. Like It really bothers me that the whales beach themselves and die. And a pot of whales just did that uh, like last week or two weeks ago. And it was th- on the exact same day that the whales did it two years ago years ago, to the day, a pod of whales beached themselves on this same beach. A bunch of them died, and then these whales did it. And I truly believe that it's because of the noise pollution that's in the ocean, like it's, it's excruciating pain for them, and whether it's a shipping vessel that, you know, it has the same uh, route that it takes every year, and, or possibly, and I have this other idea, that whales are sentient. And that this is their, like, by committing suicide, it's like their peaceful protest, right? Like, I'm putting myself on land, like, you can't miss me, right? I'm taking the kneel, the knee during the NFL game. I'm doing the hunger strike, sitting on the courthouse steps, like, whatever it is. Like, it's their peaceful protest. And, uh, by the way, I'm not a big fan of kneeling during the National Anthem. Uh, I want to slap those fuckers silly. About a hundred different ways you could use your position to get attention and, uh, in other countries you'd get shot for doing that shit so fuck you but I digress, I digress the point is, it's an action step and I feel fired up man I feel great, I'm a little tired now a lot of talking in the car here, kind of wore out but the morning went exactly as planned, I didn't put too many deadlines on it alright, got up at 4 I said I was going to do the dog, you know take my poop, do the praying go to work, right like legitimate work, like I am now working and then at 5 o'clock I was going to start meditating I started meditating instead of like it was like 5.20 because after I was done working that's when I went to the bathroom but meditated for a full hour and what was crazy is even though I definitely was not quote-unquote 100% in the moment, right? Because meditating is just practicing that ability, right? Meditating is lifting weights for your mind. It's like constantly coming back to the moment, come back to the moment, come back to the moment. Because you won't be in the moment. Like, it's not going to happen. It takes a while to get to that point. And then even when you're in the moment, you, you get maybe 10 seconds out of that, you know, maybe 30 seconds. I remember one day, like, the very best experience I had was at the Vipassana retreat. I was in the moment for, like, 35 minutes, something ludicrous, but at this retreat, we were meditating 10 and a half hours a day, every day, right, and there was no talking aloud, no distractions, so, you know, you're going to make some gains in that kind of environment, but what was cool is, even though I wasn't exactly in the moment meditating, I was fired up, like, I felt like my life was on fire, because, probably because I just listened to one of the best motivational speakers of all time, but because I was living life with a purpose, Right? Like, I had a purpose. Like, okay, here's this thing I want to do. I've always wanted to do it. And now I'm going to just fucking do it. Um, And it was great. It was absolutely awesome. Now, we'll see, right? Like, anything can happen. Maybe tomorrow is going to be a complete and utter disaster. But I don't think so. Like, I don't see any reason why this can't continue. Oh, fuck. I'm pulling into school and I didn't get a card. She would have liked a card, probably. Uh, oh well she got flowers and a whistle so the whistle is so she can go out and take her kids on the nature trail but um yeah yeah that's what's going on everybody so my goal obviously when i get home don't want to don't want to uh smoke any marijuana uh it's gonna detract from my dreams and my my goals my objectives and that's one of the reasons also why i actually started putting the work in i realized like, oh. You know I'm gonna quit weed and and then I'm gonna do these things, and it's like no no no, 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 like I need a reason to quit weed, like I know when I smoke my speech falls to shit like and of course that's that's only one of like a bazillion things that falls to shit when I smoke right like personal life relationships um working on my house, maintenance uh quality of my work at the office like everything falls to shit when I smoke, but just quitting hasn't really been working for me, so now I'm trying to take the action step. Like I'm working towards the dream that I have envisioned for my sober self. And I'm hoping that that helps more. And my, also, my other plan is to try to whim off at the end of the day today. Kind of like reset. So that when I get home, I can have the mental fortitude to n- avoid the routine. Because I am definitely a creature of habit and a creature of routine. So uh, much love you guys. I'll talk to you at the end of the day. Remember to find peace in the struggle. Oh, no, that's not it at all. Fuck, sorry, I'm waving to the nurse, so I'm all confused. She's walking in. (laughs) Remember to find satisfaction in the struggle, and peace in the moment. We'll see you next time.